3: Brought to you by the Ad Council. This is
5: Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to The Tom Sumner Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody, as we roll into the third half of our three-hour tour known as the Tom Sumner Program. We're going to talk this hour about the dawn of human 2.0 and uh, a new book called What Love Feels Like. It's written by uh, author, actor, and award-winning journalist Dave Cunningham. With uh, C.K. Tyler for what is her uh, first novel, and they join me by phone. Dave, C.K., welcome to the show. Oops, let's Thanks try that Tom. again. Let's try that again. Dave, C.K., welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks for having
6: us. Appreciate it.
5: I, I get I, I get so many things going on here, guys, that, that that sometimes I just I forget something stupid like turning up your channel, but. Um, <laughs> But but let, let's talk about this human 2.0 and what love feels like. This is uh, a, a love story, but kind of a different love story, isn't it?
6: Yes, it is. And uh, as we, since we both are on the air with you at the same time, uh, if you want to address questions to C.K. or me individually, that's fine. Or if if one of us have. Uh, I w- want to redirect the question because the other is more qualified to answer it. I, I we think kind of that would probably be the best way to go. But yes, the the Dawn of Human 2.0 is a subtitle. The book is What Love Feels Like. And the way it came about <clears throat> is that I had written a, a stage play called The Dawn of Human 2.0, which was about um, our, our protagonist is dead at the, t- at the time that the, the play opens. And... Uh, but his consciousness has been uploaded into a computer, and his wife didn't know that that was uh, something that he was going to be doing, and so she is greatly surprised when she comes home from his funeral and he's talking to her through his uh, her computer. Uh, anyway, the stage play never went anywhere, and then um, <clears throat> we uh, we got together. Uh, actually, CK, do you want to explain how the how the love part of it and <laughs> and the love letters evolved? <laughs>
7: Yeah, thanks, Dave. I'd be glad to. Uh, I think basically, Tom, hopefully you can hear me okay. Yeah. I think whether you're talking about the science fiction part of the story or the love story, this is basically a love story about two people that met during their golden years. And the reason we were interested in doing this is the book is actually in real life our story. And the letter's within the book are our actual letters, and we felt it would be a wonderful way to share with people uh, not only a message of hope, uh, but a message of love, and how how two people might want to approach this a little differently in order to get to know each other. So uh, it is a combination of two stories woven together, but at the base of everything is is the love story.
5: And C.K., you mentioned online and uh, golden uh, age at the same time, and that sounded a a little bit unusual to me. You don't think of uh, people that are older meeting (laughs) through a dating website.
7: Yeah, you know, I think we felt this was one of the important messages that uh, Dave and I, being very honest, are both 67 and we know that even the websites that are there and out there now, there are many geared for people of all ages and we wanted to take that risk. I think we approached it a little differently by taking our time and getting to know each other through writing letters. But um, being someone uh, that, <clears throat> excuse me, is not married, I know many people our age have either lost their partner or spouse, either through illness or maybe through divorce, and many really would like to have a meaningful relationship, but find it difficult at this age, and we found that uh, to not be the case, but the key was taking our time. Instead of swiping right or left, we actually use the the modern conveniences of online uh, the online dating sites. In our case, Match. dot com, but also use the uh, letter writing. It was just done through email instead of through the U.S. Post Office.
5: <laughs> Dave, um, I. I mentioned you were an award-winning journalist. You've interviewed four uh, US presidents, uh, Muhammad Ali, Aretha Franklin, Frank Sinatra, but in in those interviews and that writing, it's it's very much about uh, something tangible and real. How different is it writing in a world that's sort of science fiction?
6: Well, um, in my experience, most journalists that I encountered over the the decades uh, in which I was doing that uh, think because they can write news stories, and they're they're perfectly well qualified to write novels. Nonfiction, it would be a different thing. And my first uh, published book was a nonfiction book, and that's. That's sort of like journalism. You're just telling the facts as best you, as you can source them. But <clears throat> fiction is a, is a different animal. But y- yet we seem to think w- that we would we would be good at that. So uh, I, as I said, this started out as a stage play, uh, and I I thought uh, that might go somewhere. It didn't. But when we were able to combine the two, uh, it just seemed to sort of work. And I didn't know if it would or or if it wouldn't. And to her credit, C.K. Uh, went. We both went through the manuscript. We both wrote large pieces, basically half of the book each. But um, she, she she found an awful lot of things that I had thrown in there just to try to <laughs> flesh it out or make it bigger. It's uh, were totally unnecessary. So, if if the book is readable and and enjoyable by, uh, by any but to anybody, it's because of C.K.'s um, amazing abilities.
5: That's the teacher in her.
6: <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. <laughs> she,
5: she redlined the manuscript. <laughs>
7: yep.
6: Yeah, and she does it in a very, a very gentle way, as, <laughs> as she would w- with her students. In other words, she says, "Maybe it would be better if you just tried this approach instead of that approach." And it was like, and then I would be hitting the back of my forehead with my hand, going, "Oh yeah, of course, that's much better." So it worked out. right. It was a very good collaboration. But then, you know, we we sort of love each other, so that worked out too.
5: Um, <laughs> the 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 love story in the book. The book is called What Love Feels Like. The dawn of human 2.0 um, inv- involves a, a relationship that is building and then continues beyond the death of Lucas, um, one of the the two characters, Lucas and Dawn, who who share this love story. Um, the idea of of a, of a uh, relationship continuing beyond death between you know, one person that's on this plane and one person that's on another plane. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's reminiscent a little bit of, of the, the ghost in Mrs. Muir. Um, and, and there are some other stories like that. I, that's just one that came to mind. But where did the, the idea of this um, uh, what um, ability to connect from two different realities come from dave
6: the inspiration for for the original concept uh, was uh, a book called the singularity is near by ray kurzweil and uh, that is a nonfiction book and his idea he wanted to live wants to live forever and and the way he would do that was it would be to have his entire consciousness uploaded into a computer and he's done a lot of research on this and he thinks it's doable and I was just fascinated by the idea, and so I thought someday I, w- I want to pursue that into what that would be like. So what we have in the book is that the uh, protagonist Lucas is uh, deceased from brain cancer, but his during the the process of what he, his uh, lady love thought was going on, uh, which was being treated for cancer, he was actually participating in a DARPA secret uh, project to try and become the first human being whose entire consciousness was uploaded into a computer. So that was done and that was that was where we take off. The way they are able to interact is simply through virtual reality and the way that works is that uh, dawn would be come into the uh, the DARPA facility and then she would be hooked up to... Sensors on her head, and she would uh, actually enter a virtual reality in which his consciousness also exists, and therefore, they, she would have she would be young again because her body would could jump and and do all kinds of things that she couldn't do in her old age, and, and it was basically a sort of a heaven in a computer, and they can uh, see each other, smell each other, uh, have all the senses involved, and, and play. And and coexist in a virtual world in which anything is possible. It's sort of a sort of a heaven concept, I guess, but it's it's also uh, surreal. And I I thought I'd like to play with that idea and see what could be done uh, with fiction, as far as that goes. Uh, I would love to see this done someday, and I'm just out of curiosity to see if it could actually work. I'm I'm told that uh, the concepts are sound, and it's just. Not it just has not been done yet, but there are, people are actually working on it. So it'd be interesting to see how that plays out.
5: Well, yeah, as AI, as AI becomes more and more part of our everyday lives, it, you know, it that it does seem possible. But how on the science part of this, um, how is the imprinting of a person's consciousness? Um, able to be digitized? How, how do you get past that part of it? Is our consciousness made of electrical impulses or vibrations? What, what is the the science there?
6: Well, I, I'm not a genius or, a, or certainly not an expert on the science. I consulted my son, who's a, a computer guy and a coder, and a little bit on this, and I also did a little research. But uh our brains are simply um, biochemical electricity, in a sense. <laughs> in that, uh, it's it's not all that dissimilar from the way a, a digital computer works. the The challenge is to take thoughts, memories, emotions, and all of those things, and digitize them into data, which would then could be uploaded directly into the com- into a computer. The concept again, according to Ray Kurzweil and a few other people that have that have delved into this, is sound. It just uh, hasn't been done yet. But what fascinated me was if slash when it actually can be done, what will that entity that be inside that computer, the the, the consciousness there is there? Can that computer feel love? Can that computer feel empathy? Can that computer uh, also t- touch into all of the information in the world and be a super genius, but also with human qualities? Uh, interesting ideas. Now, the, the thrust of the book is really a love story. It's a romance. And the that element of it, the sci-fi element, while it fascinates me. Uh, the science is not there yet. We're not, we're not there yet, and that's why it's called sci-fi, because uh, it's – something that may happen someday or may not happen someday but it's fun for me to just play with that and that's what I did.
5: And and of course the big question is uh you know can a digitized consciousness feel?
6: Exactly. And and that's really what we're talking about when we use the title what love feels like. In in that can the the, the Lucas character is interacting with the Dawn character in virtual reality he seems to be somewhat himself but also a cog off if you know what i mean and she is a real human being who can feel and she's she's just playing a a virtual reality game in a sense when she connects with him and she's a little uncomfortable with it but uh yeah we don't really know how that will happen and because i don't have the answer uh, I, don't, I don't really provide the answer in the book, but I think you can, you can sort of surmise based on the way the, the story plays out. You have to buy the book, the book to find out. You've got to read the I book.
5: About it. Dave, yeah. um, C.K., I have to take a break here. Can you stick sure. around for a few minutes and we'll dig into this some more?
6: By all means Absolutely.
5: great. My guests are Dave Cunningham, CK Tyler, authors of What Love Feels Like. We'll let our broadcast partner squeeze a few words in, and we'll be right back.
2: Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner.
1: Tom Sumner Program has hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell. Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the Briggs. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write us at TomSumnerProgram.com, call us, at 810 339 or contact us on Facebook or Twitter. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner program where to go.
3: Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. The
4: Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit CDC.gov.
3: How do you do, ladies and gentlemen? This is Bob Hope back once again to tell you it's better to have Pepsodent flowing over your teeth now than to have water running under your bridge later.
7: The
2: Program.com.
4: Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey,
5: welcome back, everybody. Uh, my guests this hour are the authors of a book, uh, a love story, an unusual love story, called What Love Feels Like, The Dawn of Human 2.0. Dave Cunningham and C.K. Tyler co-authored the book, and uh, are with me by phone. Dave C.K., welcome back, and thanks for sticking around. Well, thanks for having us, Tom. Um, we were talking in the last segment, uh, this this was a story that was originally going to be a stage play, and then it turned into this uh, joint effort, a novel. And C.K., this is your first novel. How did this idea of, tra- uh, you know, transposing this uh, story into a novel Uh, come about and and, uh, had you had you been waiting to write the great American novel?
7: (laughs) That's a great question Tom. Uh, In short, absolutely not. Um, Being an educator and counselor for over 45 years I have always intended to write but more related to my craft and and there will come a time when I write a, a children's series but actually, the, um, the product, the end product of writing the book is actually part of our love story. And at the very beginning of the story, um, there is an excerpt in, in which um, Lucas uh, learns about what love feels like. And throughout the course of our relationship, within a short period of time, I think because our story began through writing letters, We started joking and playing with the idea we should write a book about this. There are a lot of people that might enjoy this. And what began as a playful conversation evolved into uh, making this a reality. And then, um, totally, (coughs) excuse me, uh, Dave was the one who came up with integrating that with the, the science fiction story, and it blended together quite nicely and I think is relevant to, to today's world, but it really began in real life as a result of our conversations together and became became a reality.
5: Now, you used yourselves as the models for uh, Don and Lucas, and this... Um, story sort of mirrors your own meeting online and and you know having this this romance develop and and you're following your story along and then all of a sudden Lucas dies Um yeah. Dave are are you a little bit terrified by that <laughs> I'm not
6: the least bit terrified by that <laughs> um, because it's, it's it's a fate that awaits us all, regardless. And at, at some point in our lives, I uh, I think we kind of reach a point of I, I can't speak for anyone else really, but I, I I have reached a point where I don't I don't fear the end. I know it's coming. I just hope it's uh, somewhat peaceful. Uh, but uh, that when that part of the story, the science fiction part, where Lucas dies. Uh, was not intended to be uh, based on real characters. This was pure fiction. And sure. the characters, in particular, uh, the, the uh, Dawn character, did not share the traits and qualities and background of uh, the, the Dawn character that evolved you know, from the uh, letters, which, of course, was what we call quasi-fiction because it's really based on our story. So that's where we needed to do some work and change... The personalities and some of the, a lot of the dialogue, uh, because several, several of the characters in the story uh, changed identities and, and sort of had to match up with the reality a little better. So uh, CK did an awful lot of that work in making that happen
5: that's that's an interesting part of of telling this particular story because you you based a lot of it on uh, on real life your letters and and the way that your romance between the two of you evolved um, but then you're in a position when you're writing a story like this that you can um you can sort of uh, redevelop the characters because they're on a collision course for something and you can see the future so you can actually kind of make these people evolve in a way that this would happen to them.
6: Yeah that's uh, exactly what uh, we intended to do and and I I think it worked out pretty well but again (laughs) the reader can judge for himself or herself. But uh, it was it was a, a bit of a challenge to to take two totally disparate stories, blend them together, and then tie it up into a nice little bow at the end. Uh, in fact, I'm not sure it is a nice little bow at the end. But the the goal is to make one think. People, uh, we we like to think that what love feels like, the dawn of human 2.0, although it's about love in the golden years, uh, is would be, will be, is enjoyable to readers of all ages because love is a universal thing. And uh, the dawn of 2.0 is sort of a, a younger generation concept when we have cyber science fiction uh, put in there. But I do think we deal with universal themes that people of any age can, can relate to.
5: Well, and an interesting story to come out at a time when people are... Uh, in a lot of ways, because of the pandemic, living their lives online.
7: Yeah, you know, we have been asked that question for, and of course, when we were writing the book, um, it seems like many years ago now. Due, the, due to the way our our lives have all changed, but we came away realizing that our our story has quite a message for people during the pandemic. And uh, one of the biggest messages we hope the reader will take away is that in an online world where particularly our young adults are simply swiping right or swiping left, instead, there really isn't a need to hurry. Why not take your time and get to know that person instead of just basing something on a a quick photograph. So uh, very unexpectedly, we discovered that this book, it was very timely to be released right in the midst of the pandemic. Um, Not planned, of course, but it happened.
5: And and C.K., I I have to ask, I've uh, interviewed... Um, women authors who use their initials and uh, typically that's done to hide the fact that it's a woman writer Um, but you have (laughs) a male co-writer this is your first novel why did you why did you decide to go with uh, initials why did you decide to be ck
7: well you know uh, there's actually a, a very real reason for that two reasons actually but but the first is i do believe with in my future i will be writing in my field of expertise which is working with children and adolescents and i choose to, i will choose to use my real name for that and it will be connected to my career and what i what i was doing you know in in my real life and so uh, I wanted to use a pen name for this, and hopefully, if Dave and I choose to write again, and um, I also wanted to honor my own children. Uh, the the name is a play on on them, and uh, so so I just think I wanted to separate my professional life from my creative, uh, more creative writing life, and um, I, I've been pleased with with doing that. <laughs>
5: Um, the the other question I have, and I don't know why I don't know this already, but um, (laughs) do the two of you live together? We do not,
6: and and that's actually a key component of why the, uh, the long letters that we wrote to each other, and when I, again... For your listeners who may be joining us late, when we say letters they're they're literally emails, but because it was a long distance and remains a, a somewhat long distance relationship, she lives about ninety miles from where I live, so no, we don't live together. Um, we have discussed about not ever getting married before we've both been married before, and uh, so it's a it's we both say this so I'm not <laughs> not you know surprising anybody here but we we refer to it as a forever kind of relationship and it's a deep love and it's it's remarkable from my standpoint because it's unlike any other love or relationship that I'd ever encountered which is why I was driven to write about it it's uh, the the things that we wrote to each other and the way I felt and and I just thought you know there's a lesson in here for yes people uh in their so called golden years uh finding new love uh, as c k mentioned you know whether you uh lose a spouse uh, to death or to divorce or whatever it's it's a i don't want to say it's a very common thing but it's certainly it's something that's that's uh a purpose can be served by by telling people a story about it. don't give up um uh, someone's out there here's here are some ideas and i'm it's again it's it's quasi-fiction, but here are some ways that we went about getting to know each other in a very important and deep way without being face-to-face, because, simply because we live so far apart, and uh, I thought it was a story worth telling.
5: And, and the, the story tells itself um, through those, those letters. Are they actual letters, or did you change some, change some things to protect the innocent?
7: Well, you know, Tom, the the very truthful answer is those are our letters almost verbatim. The only thing, things we would happen to change if it wasn't something that would be interesting to the reader, like what time are we meeting at such and such a place, you know, right. N- the nut, nuts in both details. But we actually, uh, I'm trying to think, I don't believe we... Created any letter for the book. They are actually our letters that Dave um, began by downloading those in chronological order. So we've both read our book several times, and it's, it's very—it's uh, a sweet experience for us because it really does give us the opportunity to really revisit and relive how we met and uh how special that was and, and and i i personally believe the message of hope uh woven into that uh so nope no letters created for the book they they are really
5: ours after <laughs> uh, go yeah go ahead dave Oh, I was
6: just going to, if I may, throw in uh, a very important part of the the process for me was a a, self-realization, basically sort of a growing up at the age in my mid-60s of realizing something that I had never realized before, which is that males, generally speaking, and, and this would certainly hold true with the younger generation who go on apps where you swipe left or right based on a photograph of someone, but males uh, respond to visual cues oh I, I was one who like who liked moon face blondes with blue eyes, and that's that was my type as far as I was concerned and if she wasn't that then then i didn't that i didn't go to the next step, whatever that might have been i didn't realize how stupid that was for lack of a better term and the great thing is those those feelings and those thoughts are right there in our letters we almost didn't ever meet simply because of my stubbornness because i, I said she looked like my aunt b who was a wonderful person but wasn't <laughs> wasn't <laughs> blonde and moon-faced and blue eyes so the lesson i learned about visual cues not being even close to the most important thing in deciding who you want to be with um uh, i think that was illuminating for me, and hopefully it would be illuminating for others, particularly males.
5: In, in the book, um, Don and Lucas, you know, they, they have these letters, they have this communication, and then Lucas dies, and you talk about Don going to ARPA and getting into virtual reality and existing, uh, at least in part, in a world where Lucas is, but are they able to communicate beyond that virtual reality i i mean can the, can the uh, uh the letters continue online
6: no the uh, the the only way they communicate i mean he he can as uh, as as we say in the book he can <laughs> basically be everywhere all the time whenever he wants so he's almost like an omnipotent uh, figure i don't want to use uh, the the word god but the concept is that because he's uploaded into a computer he is he has access to all of the world's information so he knows everything that that um, his children are doing his adult children because he's monitoring all the emails and all of the texts and all of you know he's he is sort of a, uh, a godlike figure only in the sense that he knows pretty much everything all the time but uh, no in terms of their communication uh, he relies on her to come visit him and in his virtual reality where it's just his consciousness and again no physical body although it he, it seems like it when he's in the virtual reality he he really is a, a lonely person and he's and that's sort of one of the questions we talk about is is when when love is gone and uh, what does that do to a person, and if this person can can this person love, when in fact he's not a person, he's really just
5: a consciousness.
6: And those were some of the ideas I wanted to explore in the, in the sci-fi part of it.
5: Um, CK, how much does the long-distance, uh, or at least distanced, nature of your relationship with Dave inform what Lucas and Dawn feel for each other in their uh, sort of virtual existence
7: ah huh, that's a good question you know uh, for us the long distance first of all when we say long distance we don't mean cross country we we mean uh, you know a 90 minute uh, drive and um, for us from the beginning and and I hope that shows through the story whether the uh, In the real love story or the science fiction, communication was at the heart of our own personal love story. And even as we were writing together, we would have to communicate to a very high degree to just be able to figure out how to do that. So I think what you will see is in the virtual part of the story, there is the same degree of communication going on, including... Uh, Dawn from the beginning, not being particularly enamored with this whole concept. And that's where there was a lot of rewriting because I, CK, had to challenge Dave and say, well, this is what I would do in this situation. And it probably wasn't like in the original story. So I think our real life very much um, influenced every part of the sci-fi story, which I think makes that particularly unique. Uh, Who we are in real life really is captured uh, in both of the stories, in in my opinion. What do you think, Dave?
6: yeah I think that's that's true, and it, again it was a challenge because that was not the concept from the original sci-fi stage play now stage play is pretty much all dialogue so uh, but you through the dialogue you get a sense of who these characters are. Uh, we had to do a lot of tweaking to make them <laughs> line up both with us and with the other uh, uh, people in the story in the letters that uh, really exist
5: um I, I'm curious if there's going to be a uh, Dawn of Human 3.0. <laughs> well,
7: you know, we play, with, yeah, we, we play with those ideas and thoughts. And um, uh, for me, I, I believe love is at the heart of this entire story. And I think for the readers who, or for the people who choose to read our story, I think you will see that there is a little open-ended ending that causes one to pause and wonders what's going to happen next. So I think I would say that is a possibility. Um, The book was just published in the last month, so we want to see how that goes. But I I certainly think we are leaving that, that door open. And I think the readers might be interested in seeing what happens next. But there isn't a concrete plan at this point. We're just going to wait and see.
5: This is a fascinating story, and and the fact that it started out as a stage play and then ended up being a novel. Is it on its way to being a screenplay? Oh, wouldn't that well, be great?
1: We'd love that?
6: <laughs> <laughs> I just, in point in point of fact, my uh, son-in-law is a uh, screenwriter and uh, director. Uh, on a relatively low level, in the sense that you, no one's probably heard of him uh, in Flint, Michigan. However, um, if Francis Ford Coppola or, or J. J. Abrams doesn't doesn't bite on it, <laughs> then maybe maybe it'll it'll show up in some other version.
5: Well, you just I you know I was just curious a little bit about about what's next. Um, you know it's it's one thing to to have the kind of relationship that evolved between the two of you and and think, yeah, this would make a great story, but then it, it sounds like the process of doing this um, has really kind of set you up to do more.
6: well, let me ask you your opinion, Tom. Uh, one of the thoughts we've we've kind of spitballed out there is the sequel could be uh, what love feels like uh, and uh, with, with it wouldn't be there would be no fiction at all. In other words, it would be a, a nonfiction book in which all the entire content of the book is interviews of all different kinds of couples and all different kinds of loves. And the the root question to all of them is what What is love? What does love feel like? And it would really just be uh, people's love stories to, told in in multiple uh, chapters. Do you think that'll fly? What do you think? It
5: sounds like the next uh, new reality TV craze. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it is a, it is a fascinating story, and and I I hope the two of you do a, another book. Um, we just have a couple of minutes left, and I always give guests an opportunity to let people know where they can find out more about the two of you and the book and other things that you're doing, Uh, CK for example, some of the things that you want to do with uh, children's books and so on. Um, Do you have a website, a shared uh, website, or are you still separate there too?
7: You know, we're in the process of currently building that right now. And uh, like, like most books that are published, if if anyone just goes to Amazon, there's information about both of us and how to connect with the website, which is in its infancy at this point. But um, we we very much are looking forward to getting to know our audience, and um, yeah, we we both hope we both hope that there will be another another. Possible book between us, and as far as for myself um, i i 've had the unique experience of uh, working as a high school elementary through high school counselor, and one of my colleagues was a former student who I got to know at the age of five, and uh, she experienced great anxiety, which is a universal theme in our world right now, so our goal is, is to write a children's series very much in the form of the Bernstein Bears helping children who can't get on the school bus and can't walk into their classroom and it'll be a series of short picture books and we've laughed because book one might be The Worry Monster Gets on the Bus and Book fifty might be The Worry Monster Gets Engaged, you know, and so <laughs> we <laughs> we very much um Want to do that. She is now a licensed social worker. So her story is also a beautiful story about conquering challenge. And so that that is in the works, but um, I need to give her time to get out of college debt and and pursue her career. Um, but I think just by doing what most people do, going to Amazon and looking up what love feels like it it will come up and uh, there are biographies on the site about each of
5: us and uh well the book is is called (laughs) what love feels like the dawn of human 2.0 by dave cunningham and ck tyler my guests this past hour thank you both for spending this time with me and sharing your story uh both in and out of the book
6: thank you tom (laughs) really appreciate it
5: take care we'll be right back (laughs) this is the unknown comic And guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now, and now, and now too, and even now.
4: The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. Take the following everyday steps to help avoid the spread of all respiratory viruses. Wash your hands often with soap and water for at least 20 seconds. Cover your cough or sneeze with a tissue. Throw the tissue away, and then wash your hands. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects or surfaces, such as remote controls and doorknobs. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. And stay home if you are sick. Call your health care provider if you develop fever, cough, or difficulty breathing. For more tips, visit CDC.gov. They say gov. singing can help you remember things, so here's some tips for parents out there during these tough times number one make sure your kids wash their hands for 20 seconds after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside two virtual play dates social and physical distancing can help save lives tell them they're safe and show your love and pride yes we'll get through this together find out more at coronavirus.gov a message from the cdc and the ad council
1: Tom Sumner Program has hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell. Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the Briggs. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write us at TomSumnerProgram.com, call us, at 810 339 or contact us on Facebook or Twitter. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner program where to go. Do you have feelings of inadequacy?
8: Do you suffer from shyness? Do you sometimes wish you were more assertive? If you answered yes to any of these questions, ask your doctor or pharmacist about tequila. tequila. Tequila is the safe, natural way to feel better and more confident about yourself and your actions. Tequila can help ease you out of your shyness and let you tell the world that you're ready and willing to do just about anything. You'll notice the benefits of tequila almost immediately. And with a regimen of regular doses, you can overcome any obstacle Major factor in getting your ass kicked. So what are you waiting for? Stop hiding and start living with tequila.
4: Tequila! I get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod
2: Serling. Rod Serling. What's this? The Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been
7: headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone.
6: All right. Oh, but Jethro's right
4: at home in the Twilight Zone. I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone... I got a feeling
0: something strange is about to happen.
4: In the Twilight Zone.
7: Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program.
2: Tell Valentine, you make me smile with my heart. Your looks are laughable. Is it less than Greek? Is your mind Don't change your hell for me, not if you care for me. Stay, little Valentine, stay, stay. Valentine's and than Greek Is your mouth a little weak When you open it One little thing for me stay, Little Valentine stay. Each day is Valentine. Valentine's Day.
5: Wrapping things up for today's edition of the Tom Sumner program with a little music that was... uh, With vocals and drums by Ron Tromley, Dave Kinder on bass, uh, I think uh, Jeff Hall on piano, and I'm not sure if that was Jeff or or, uh, Gary Clavette on uh, tenor saxophone, but a great rendition of My Funny Valentine. It seemed like kind of a fitting uh, song. At the uh, end of the hour, I spent with uh, Dave Cunningham and C.K. Tyler, the authors of What Love Feels Like, The Dawn of Human 2.0. Also, I want to say thanks to them. What a delightful conversation. I also want to say thanks to um, Valerie Tripp, who uh, was kind of a substitution for... Uh, um, My my scheduled guest, which has been rescheduled, but anyway, uh, talking about her uh, book, the new series uh, just getting launched by National Geographic Kids, um, Izzy Newton and the Smart Squad, this first installment called Absolute Hero by Valerie Tripp. And thanks to Valerie. Also want to say thanks to my guests from the first hour from MTA Ed Benning and uh, Stephanie Confer. We also got to squeeze in a little uh, music during the show today, which is always nice because our music is all by local artists who I've uh, often said um, are as good as any you're going to find anywhere in the world coming up tomorrow a special september 11th edition of the tom sumner program as we remember september 11th 2001 with a uh, compilation of interviews from the 10th anniversary the 15th anniversary and one a little bit more recently so we'll be remembering patriot day tomorrow on the program in the meantime good night everybody
0: the tom sumner program is a live variety show